Trial Brief with your host, David Otto. Hello, and welcome to the Trial Brief. I hope that you and your family and your loved ones remain safe and healthy as this pandemic lingers on. I don't see much relief in sight, but we'll just get through it, and we'll get through it together. You know, it's now July, and the courts here in New York are operating at a very limited capacity. And of course, as we've discussed on previous episodes of the trial brief, that the suspension of jury trials is posing a big problem for litigants and for our justice system in general. Our clients need resolution. They need resolution of their claims, and we don't have answers for them. We, we don't have answers as to when jury trials will resume and they'll be able to have their day in court. And for trial lawyers, this can be extremely disheartening. And for a client, not only is it disheartening, but it can be disastrous. It can be disastrous from an economic standpoint, from a physical standpoint, and of course, from an emotional standpoint. We don't have answers for them. We don't know when jury trials will resume, and it's very frustrating. But one option that we do have is mediation or arbitration. I've always been a little skeptical of that because, you know, as a trial lawyer, that's why you get up in the morning. You want to go and you want to try your case uh, before a jury. Mediation is where, those of you who are not familiar with it, is where the parties who are in court with a dispute agree to go outside of court and hire a private company or a private mediator who's neutral, who has nothing to gain or lose or has any interest in the case, but just a, a neutral party to help try to resolve the case and bring an end to it. And parties agree to do that because it could be a, a quicker way to resolve a case. Of course, it's much less expensive than going through a full trial. Pre-COVID, the mediation process was a pretty straightforward and simple one uh, where the parties would go to a mediator's office with their clients and would meet face-to-face, -face, present the case to the mediator, argue their points, and the mediator would take turns discussing the case in private with, with, the, with the parties and, and eventually would try to hammer out a settlement in the case. Now, post-COVID, things have changed a little bit. Mediations have now gone to a, uh, a virtual format, of course, since you know, we need to be social distancing. So we're going to talk a little bit about how that takes place. Basically, we'll talk about mediation in the COVID world that we live in now. So I have, or I had, a catastrophic injury case uh, involved medical malpractice uh, where my client, a young, a young man with a, with a wife and two young children, he sustained a brain injury as a result of, and a neurological injury as a result of a stroke. Uh, and it was the failure of the hospital to diagnose and timely treat the stroke, which if they did so would have been, would have been avoided. Right at the beginning of the pandemic, I got a call from the defense attorney on the case and suggested that we mediate the case. And I was very, very reluctant to consider mediation on a case like this. This was a very, very heavy case. And when I say a heavy case, we needed to recover enough money for this client to take care of this client for the rest of his life with respect to his medical bills, medical care, and anything else that he needed, which was going to be quite a, quite a large sum. And my thought process back then, and this was the end of April, my thought process back then was that, and, and I think the, the common belief was that insurance companies, defense counsel was going to use COVID as to their advantage. You know, they were going to use it as an excuse not to settle cases, that they were just going to let the cases sit and the injured parties be damned. So I reluctantly agreed to, to do the mediation. And one of the reasons I 
I agreed to do the mediation is that we were able to agree on the mediator. That's a very, very important aspect, obviously. The mediator we chose was the Honorable Peter Skelos, and Judge Skelos is our guest today, and I'll talk about him in, in a moment. But because of the nature of the case and, and the number of exhibits, I didn't know if it was going to be a good fit for mediation, because the, the mediation would have to be done on video, and it's very, very difficult to get through video certain emotion and, and certain feel for a case. But I have to tell you, after nine hours of mediation with Judge Skelos, we were able to resolve the case for pretty much the full value of what I believe we would have gotten for the client if we went to a jury trial. And that was my concern going in. My concern going in was if the case was going to settle, we were going to have to take less than the value of the case. And, and we weren't prepared to do that, and we would not do that. But the point of this is that the video, the virtual mediation on this heavy case worked. And it worked seamlessly. It worked really, really well. You know, the mediator is able to do really everything that he or she would do during the course of an in-person mediation. He or she may put you and your client in one room, the defendants in another room, and they can do that virtually. And, and it was really, really seamless. And it worked very, very well. One of the reasons it worked well was that Judge Skelos is a very skilled and, and talented mediator. Now, for most of us uh, in the trial bar, Judge Skelos uh, needs no introduction. Uh, Judge Skelos's illustrious career includes 11 years spent as an associate justice of the appellate division of the New York State Supreme Court in the Second Department, where he served until his retirement in 2015. Judge Skelos's judicial career began in 1995 when he was elected to the district court in Nassau County. Before he took the bench in 95, he had, he had some vast experience as a litigator. He was a deputy county attorney, and he had vast experience in private practice, uh, litigating a wide variety of cases. But four years after he was elected to the district court bench, he was elected to be justice of the Supreme Court of the state of New York in the 10th district. And in 2003, he was appointed associate justice of the appellate term of the Supreme Court in the uh, 9th and 10th judicial districts, I believe. And the following year, he was appointed by Governor George Pataki as an additional justice to one of the busiest appellate courts in the United States which is located in the second judicial department here in New York. When Judge Skelos was on the bench, he had the reputation for treating others, not just lawyers, but the litigants and everybody in that courthouse, everybody who came in contact with the justice system, had a reputation for treating them in a fair and respectful manner. And he always seemed to arrive at well-reasoned and legally sound decisions in cases that he heard. And he really was the perfect person to become a mediator. And it seems that every year... Uh, when the New York Law Journal does its best of survey that uh, Judge Skelos is always always voted to the top 10 as one of the top 10 neutrals in the state. That's well-deserved. We're very fortunate to have Judge Skelos here to discuss mediation and arbitration in the COVID age. Welcome, Judge Skelos. Good to have you on. Happy to be here, David. Thank you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about NAM, what NAM does, and what you do at NAM. Okay, so uh, NAM, I'm sure everyone knows, National Arbitration and Mediation is a, an agency that provides alternative dispute resolution services uh, to the legal community. 
We have a huge roster of outstanding neutrals, mediators, and arbitrators, and we have a tremendous back office uh, staff that helps uh, our clients, the practicing attorneys, insurance companies, and the like, set up their ADR program. More importantly and more currently, uh, we have a fully operational uh, video conferencing technology. Uh, We use the uh, Zoom video conference platform. Our platform is uh, fully operational. It's seamless. It's fully secure. All the video, all the audio, the screen sharing is encrypted, and it is uh, at least HIPAA compliant for security purposes. We also have a staff of six or seven IT personnel who are at the ready to assist uh, our clients in accessing the uh, Zoom conference platform. Now, prior to COVID, as attorneys, we would appear with our clients in your offices at NAM and discuss these things in person. Tell us how NAM has adapted to the post-COVID world. I'll tell you, NAM was totally ahead of the curve on this. And, you know, we have the uh, facility of being in the private sector and not being... um, handcuffed by the, I guess, the bureaucracy of government. And uh, I had my first conference on March 20th of this year. Uh, I think we probably started doing them about a week before. And I've done um, 152, by my count, a short while ago. I've done 152 conferences uh, since March 20th. And I've had uh, up to eight or nine people involved in them. In other words, in addition to myself, another eight or nine, ten people on the screen. And I like to say I'm like Dino De Laurentiis or uh, Steven Spielberg, and I can move uh, people around and direct them where to go and keep them in confidential rooms and uh, move back and forth with really just a click. So what has really changed is only the venue, only the milieu. But uh, what we do as far as mediations and arbitrations has really not changed. What's actually interesting, I, I was thinking about this, you actually have more eye contact through the use of the screen than you do in person. At least I find myself looking at the screen and looking to the people that I'm speaking to right in the eye, and they're looking at the screen and they're looking at me. There's a tremendous amount of eye contact, and I think some of that we didn't see in person. So it's changed, but it's the same. You still can do it. It's facile, it's efficient, it's convenient, and it works. And that's most important. It works. Yeah, I, I actually had had the opportunity to a- appear before Judge Skelos on a very heavy medical malpractice case at the end of April. And we were able to, with Judge Skelos' help, settle that case after nine hours. I think it was nine hours, right, Judge? Something like that. Yep, we had had nine hours on the screen. (laughs) Yeah, and what I found found amazing about it was that you were able to uh, really do what you used to do in person, which was, you know, put parties in different rooms and be able to speak to them as if it was in person and, and being placed in those rooms. 
you know, there were a number of parties. I think there were seven lawyers or, or something like that involved with it. And it was, it, it was rather seamless. Now, can you really briefly just walk us through the procedure that you use uh, with these video mediations? The first thing you need to know is um, how you get it done, okay? How you get it started. And it would be the same way as you would conduct or get your own um, in-person mediation conference going. And you would call your NAM representative and he or she, uh, you'd give the case name and uh, sort of the pedigree information, who's involved, and that person will contact uh, the adverse parties or have one of the uh, other uh, account executives at NAM contact the adverse parties if, if the other executive ha- happens to be the uh, the manager of uh, your adverse uh, counsel or the insurance company's um, uh, account. And they set it up for you. So you tell them, you give them five cases and you say, I want these five cases set up. And they take the bull by the horn and they start uh, trying to help you set up those cases. When the date is confirmed, you'll get a um, an email from NAM that has all of the Zoom video conference uh, access information. There'll be a link there and you can click on the link and you'll be uh, connected. You have to have a computer, a laptop, a Surface, an iPad or a cell phone of course, if it's going to be a video conference, which we want, it, there has to be a camera on it. We have had some where people will only connect by telephone and not by camera, but we can mix and match those. It really can be hybrid. You have to have um, connectivity by fiber optic, uh, Wi-Fi or LTE, some kind of connectivity to the Internet. And for that, you should actually make sure that you have sufficient broadband to handle it. If you're doing it from home and you have kids, uh, this is kind of like the TV commercials. If you have kids, um, you know, streaming this and streaming that, you, you do have to make sure you have your broadband can, um, can handle the load. Once the date is set and you connect, we'll all be on the screen together. The person who is the mediator, when I started, um, I'm the mediator. All the mediators become the host, and that puts you, the mediator, in the director's chair. That's when we can introduce everybody to one another. We see each other all on the screen together. Uh, We have uh, some opening statements if the parties want to. Uh, We have some preliminary discussions, uh, maybe in the presence of, of each other. And then the mediator can then, as the host, separate people out into uh, different breakout rooms. And um, what I always do is I always, let's say there's uh, the plaintiff is there with plaintiff's counsel. There are times when I'm going to want to speak with the attorney only. So I put them in the same room, but then I explain to uh, the client, to the plaintiff, uh, or the defendant, uh, as the case may be, that, you know, I may separate you from your counsel because I'm going to need to speak with that person. And we can make as many breakout rooms as necessary. Let's say on the defense side, there's uh, three or four defendants. Maybe they all want to be together for a period of time. Maybe they want to get separated. And I can separate them out and move back and forth. And it's really just the click of the mouse to move people around. Uh, once you're connected, you really have to do nothing. You just let the mediator move people around. You're just engaged in the process 
of good faith negotiations. Right. You know, as a as a lawyer, as a trial lawyer, you always have you always had that threat of the jury trial as your as your hammer, so to speak. And it was it was always what put fear into into both parties uh, in in order to get a case resolved. Have you noticed any change in the way attorneys are negotiating or or the strategy that they use in mediation? And has it changed your strategy at all in the way you handle a mediation? Well, I mean, you're right. That guillotine, that threat, that hammer is not there anymore, as we said, okay? But if we do nothing, then nothing will get accomplished. And both sides need to get things accomplished. And yes, will one side say, well, you know, uh, you need to take a haircut on this one a little bit, or, you know, you need to take a little bit less because there's some value in money today. I'm not going to tell you that that is not a factor that comes into play, but I really have not seen that as a whip, you being used as a whip in cases. It's a factor. Okay, just like any time anything goes on, there's always different factors that come into play. But I really haven't seen that being used as um, a terrible offensive weapon. You are seeing cases settling for for good value, right? I've had many multi-million dollar cases. I've had a couple that are in the eight figures on video mediation. So... There's value on cases, but people do have to recognize that there's also a value of money today. We can't put our head in the sand on that. Right. I really don't see it as something that is being used as um, an unfair weapon. Because remember, as I said before, the defendants, the insurance carriers have to get their cases done. They don't get their cases done. They're just going to be stacked up. The reserves are going to be there, and then they're going to run into, um, you know, regulatory violations. You know, I want to get an idea from you. You know, you have so much experience, not only from the bench, but in private practice, handling these mediations. And we're going to talk about arbitration in a minute. But what do you see as something that attorneys who are listening to this, who are going to be appearing before you or another neutral, um, what is the, the main thing you, you think that these attorneys need to, to do better when they present cases at, at mediation? Because I've always, you know, from my, my standpoint, I've always prepared for mediation as if I was preparing for trial. Yeah. Well, look, I, you have to be prepared. You have to know your case. You have to know the high side and the low side of your case. I personally, and I think most others, do like some kind of a uh, pre-mediation statement being made, you know, in writing so that we can look at um, the uh, the paperwork that's going to be relied on, the records that are going to be relied on. Does that mean I want 100 pages of hospital records that has 50 of them are uh, lab reports? And do I want every uh, physical therapy note? No, I don't. But yeah, I'd like to see the MRI reports. I'd like to see uh, the operative reports. I'd like to see the emergency room report, a uh, discharge summary, um, things of that nature. Uh, it, do I want a 150-page deposition? No, I don't. But can you call out a few pages? Even if you don't give me the pages, 
if there's testimony that you really think is important, then put it into your um, your narrative that you give uh, as your as your covering letter in support of your position. Just extract it, put it in there, and then I can then I can read it. So I think it's important not only for the attorneys to be prepared, but to for you to give something to the mediator so that the mediator can be prepared and that you don't have to spend a half hour explaining your case. The mediator understands what your position is before you get started, and that way you can get into what you're there for, which is to explore the settlement of the case. With respect to the clients, do you require the clients or recommend that the clients be with you on a video mediation? I don't require that. I'm not going to say that I that I recommend it or I don't recommend it. I, I think it's a good thing, just like we like to have the clients at, uh, at our um, mediation conference centers with NAM. I think it's important for the clients to be there. All right. Is it, uh, do I require it? No. But I will tell you that I recently had an experience where we had, I was involved in a case where there was a bus accident and there were 31 plaintiffs and there was, uh, most of them were high school students at the time of the accident and there were coverage issues with the case. And it was important, I think, that the mom or the dad or both and the, and the youngster were there. I was able to speak with them. I was able to speak with them in the presence of their attorneys. When the attorneys wanted to speak with me alone, I moved the family to another room. And, um, you know, you can make a connection. And there are there are times, I, I had one of those uh, yesterday, where counsel said, Judge, we're really close on this one. I'm having a little bit of difficulty with my client. Would you mind speaking with the client? And, you know, the person can almost feel like they're, even though they're not in the courthouse, they can have their day in court by asking a neutral person a question or voicing what their concerns are. And I think that's why it is important for them to be there if the attorneys think it's important and think that it may be necessary. And, and, I'll, and I'll just go back to the point I made before. The video technology is so terrific in, in creating a milieu where you actually look at a person right in the eye because you're looking at the, you have to be looking at the camera. And um, I think it's, uh, you can make connections with people this way. Right. Let me ask you about arbitration as it being different than mediation. Now, we have a lot of lawyers listening to this. We also have a lot of non-lawyers and possibly litigants. And I, I just want you to talk a little bit about arbitration and the role that plays in, in resolving matters. Okay, so um, we do arbitration uh, by video conference uh, technology. It's really not different. I, I'm sure most of your practicing bar audience has probably done a few uh, video conference depositions already. Today, I spent eight hours on an arbitration. We had um, three Spanish-language uh, plaintiffs involved in the case. We had a uh, Spanish-language uh, translator involved in the case. We had documents that had to be presented to the witnesses. And um, we were able to do it all on the platform of the video conference. Is there a hitch here or there because maybe... 
maybe the witness is not familiar with using it. Yes, yeah, so there's uh, there's a you know maybe you have to take a few baby steps, but you can do this. And we did it today with three people who had never participated in a video conference before, and it worked. Hmm. We can share documents on the screen. We did that a couple of times today. There have been times where the client or the witness is in the attorney's office and the witness is in one conference room and the attorney is in another room because of social distancing rules and we don't want to have masks on and testifying through masks. And in that case, the attorney had all of the exhibits. They were all marked up. They were put in front of the witness. Everybody else had the exhibits. And we worked our way through the exhibits just as we would had we all been in the same room and we were pushing the exhibits across the table. It worked. It's great. Judge Skelos, I, I can't thank you enough for, for coming on and, and giving us your take on, on mediation and, and especially now where we can't have our jury trials. I, 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 I don't know whether any of you saw it, but um, a few days ago, I guess on June 26th, the two PJs in the first and the second had a very informative uh, webinar. And what I took away from that is the courts are doing their best to get back together. The appellate divisions are going to maybe miss a few beats, but they're going to be up to speed on video conference technology uh, for the attorneys to present their cases. And the trial courts can have video conferences for PCs, status conferences, and motion practice but they're not going to be doing that for trials. The PJs were very clear. We're not going to have any trials for a long period of time. I saw something funny, I guess, in, uh, on the Internet the other day. The uh, Chief Justice of Ireland was uh, warning everybody and encouraging everybody to find alternative methods of resolving their cases. And she was very concerned because in Ireland... They have 326 cases ready for trial and no place for them to go. Every one of our judges has 326 cases uh, ready to go. Um, so uh, you got to find an alternative method of doing it. And I think that uh, the video conference ADR platform is the place to go. Judge Scalos, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Anytime. Great. Thank they you. Will. Talk to you soon. You too. So I think the bottom line for all of us is that we have to realize there are some cases that must be tried, that a jury trial has to be held in order to have the case resolved. And we're just going to have to come to grips with the fact that that's not going to happen for a bit. But we need to look at our cases with an eye toward mediation. And some cases are perfect fits for mediation. And you have to prepare for the mediation as if you're going to trial to achieve the best possible settlement for your client. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on The Trial Brief. On behalf of David, once again, thank you for listening to this episode. Please take a moment to subscribe and give us a rating at Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time on The Trial Brief.